Well, hey, everyone, how's it going? Wherever you're uh, joining me, I pray you're well. Is everybody doing all right? It's great to see you. Let's have the air handshake. There it is. We've greeted each other with uh, great social distancing, I might add. Uh, if you have a Bible, you can join with me today as we continue what Travis started last week in First Peter, where we're going to be in chapter 1, uh, starting in verse 3 in just a second. But before we do that, just wanted to highlight some of the, the great things that God is continuing to use us to do as a church, even in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, we, we've had many responses uh, to the opportunities that we've listed on our uh, website under baylife.org help. If you want to find out ways that you can help in this time, you can go there. Uh, but uh, one of the ways that we got involved is, is uh, with other churches in our area providing for uh, the hospitals that are treating COVID-19 uh, patients and, uh, and just giving them, you know, a, a free dinner, a card of encouragement. So many of you have downloaded those cards and, and uh, sent them back to us so that we could give them. Our first round uh, went to St. Joseph's Hospital down there in South County, and uh, the, the folks at St. Joseph were so appreciative. They sent us this great picture uh, showing them holding our cards and gift cards and uh, so thanks for everybody who was a part of that and for the, the many who have uh, just supplied and, and provided in so many different ways in this time. Uh, what a blessing to be the church together in that way. And if you need help, uh, go to that uh, help site, uh, the, the help page in our, on our website, and, and you can find the ways that we might be able to provide for you or at least point you in the directions that you need to. Um, I uh, hope you'll take advantage of those things as we continue. also want to just say a quick thanks to everybody who continues to give to God's work here at our church. We've been talking about that online. We were you know, kind of wondering how this was going to work. It's worked out uh, better than we thought, and we're just grateful to you. Uh, it's going to be a long time before we take our offering in these baskets again, uh, so we can get rid of this real quick. But uh, as, uh, as you continue uh, being generous, uh, you just go to our webpage, click on the giving badge, uh, follow the prompts, and, and just you know continue to give so that God can use his church to make a difference in his world. Eleanor and I uh, spent some time earlier uh, this month uh, walking through uh, some chores around our house. I'm sure many of you have tried to knock out some things that you hadn't had time for previously. And uh, we cleaned out an old closet and we found this, I'll call it an analog photo album. Those don't really exist anymore, uh, but it's an, it's an actual book that has pictures in it, prints. Remember those? Uh, they were pictures of our kids from when they were like five, six, and seven. We had uh, actually gone on a camping trip on this particular roll of film. And uh, uh, we, we found this one picture of our son that reminded us of a kind of crazy moment in his life. Uh, he was wearing his sister's clothes. He had, he had a, Cooper had a, a skirt on. It's like a shirt uh, or a skirt short combo uh, in a nice pink shade. Obviously not something that he had planned to wear. Um, and we recalled why he was wearing that. Do you want to know? I'm going to tell you. Um, we had given all of our kids on that trip the, the chance to pack their own bags. Um, my other two children understood that that probably meant clothing. My, my middle son, Cooper, saw no need for such things, and so he filled his backpack with uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. I don't know if you remember those action figures, but he had them all, and they were all in his backpack. No clothes, though, so when he fell into the river that we were camping by and his clothes became soiled beyond uh, wearing uh, potential, uh, we had to dig into his sister's backpack for some clothes for him to wear the rest of the weekend. Um, seems our boy at that point in life could not be trusted with remembering 
to pack what mattered for a trip. Uh, he still needed some help and guidance in that. And so, uh, so it is that every one of us kind of gets to where Coop was uh, at that point in his life, at some point in our lives. We're just like him. We, we've all failed to remember from time to time what truly needs to be packed in our lives, the necessary over the unnecessary. Uh, that's why I think it's fitting that we've been looking at this, um, this statement, this series called What Really Matters? Because um, uh, since we've closed our buildings and started meeting online, uh, we, we've been trying to figure out the things that really matter uh, in the midst of this pandemic. Now, uh, what began as an, and will remain as a, a series kind of targeted at the things that are going on in our now um, to me, has become a, a greater treatise on what really matters in all of life, virus or no. Uh, I was actually reflecting this week, getting ready to talk to you guys, and I realized that basically for 16 years I've been preaching this series to you, what really matters. <laughs> I called it different things at different times as we went through different books and studied God's Word together. But every time we open God's Word, uh, every page reveals for us the things that really matter to our God and therefore should really matter to us as we walk this life with him. Uh, it's with his priorities in place that the rest of life can be viewed from a proper and peace-filled perspective. Um, and that's where I want to be uh, in the midst of whatever circumstances this life might bring. So today, we want to continue with what really matters by taking a second look at the book of First Peter, a book that was dedicated to reminding its original audience and, and then us uh, of all that we've received in Christ. Uh, and especially to that original audience, uh, for them to understand what they had in Christ as they walked through what was an intense persecution there in the first century as uh, early believers in Jesus. So uh, I'm just going to dive right in. Let's uh, start uh, where Travis left off in verse 3, uh, where we find Peter uh, having gone through some very uh, deep and steep theology, and Travis uh, unfolded that for us last week beautifully. Uh, but he, he bridges out of his opening you know, thoughts and, and greetings uh, with this emphatic statement. It says this in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ! Exclamation point. If Peter had a phone and tweeted this sentence out uh, in our day, it would be in all caps, followed by like 10 exclamation points with maybe a, a triple thumbs up and, uh, and, a, and a double, you know, uh, you know strong arm emoji. Uh, the, the force of the Greek here is such that uh, he literally can't contain himself. He's just too excited about the amazingness of this one true God uh, that he implores his readers to bless. Uh, but why is, his, is he blessing the Father here? What's, what's the point of, of the blessing that... Uh, He's encouraging us to give. Well, he goes on. Let's read and find out. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Why all the fuss? Well, Peter is jacked, jacked up over the good news that has changed his life and his readers' lives forever. If we by faith have received what God has given us in Christ, if we have chosen the gospel of Jesus, the good news that he gives, um, it's worth us giving him praise and blessing his name. Uh, Peter says here, bless God for his great mercy and in, in, in his provision of Jesus. Uh, bless God for causing us to be born again. Uh, these are the central tenets of our Christian gospel 
the things that uh, we should wake up in awe of with every day uh, that we live. We, we should live life constantly blessing, praising, and honoring God for this good news that he's given us in Christ. Now, throughout this letter, Peter is going to go on to paint a picture uh, for us uh, of what really matters in the Christ life. We're going to just go verse by verse through it and, and learn from him uh, the priorities that we should have. But he, but he chooses to start with this one. The good news matters. The gospel matters. The good news matters. As, as we pack, like Cooper did that fateful morning, <laughs> as we pack for the, the trip of our lifetime. Ever heard of that? It was a trip of lifetime. Well, uh, the trip uh, that I'm talking about today is our lifetime. As we pack for the trip that is our lifetime, the first thing we should bring, the first thing that should go into our case is the good news that we've been given in Jesus Christ. The good news matters because receiving it uh, determines the outcome of our lives, both temporarily and then eternally, both spiritually and, and certainly materially and physically. In, in, in Ephesians 6, Paul likens the good news uh, in, in the discussion of the, the soldier's armor there, the armor of God. He likens the good news, the gospel, to a soldier's boots, uh, these cleat-like stabilizing sandals that soldiers wore back then to, to help them keep their footing as they fought. Um, the, the gospel is, is, is still that for us today. It's a stabilizer in a world that seeks to knock us down. Uh, in that passage, I love that uh, Paul refers to this good news as the gospel of peace. I, I like that because um, it has a couple different meanings, a couple different nuances when it, when it goes into that idea of peace. It's called the gospel of peace because when we by faith believe in and confess Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are forgiven of our sins and therefore given peace with God the Father. If you're listening to me right now and you have yet to respond to the good news of Jesus, if you've yet to put your faith in what he did on the cross and in his resurrection from the grave, and, and if you have yet to surrender to him as your sole means of connection to God, then, then you need to understand that, that you're not just apart from God, you're an enemy of God. Uh, you're, at, <laughs> you're at war. There, there, there's no peace between you and God. But when Jesus came, when the good news came, um, the good news brought us peace. Accepting the good news then brings us peace with God forever. But the peace uh, isn't just this future thing or this, you know, spiritual kind of out there thing. It's this thing that we can experience on our insides, in our hearts, and in our minds. And when we by faith make the good news ours, Jesus gives us this peace that Paul describes as being a peace that surpasses understanding in life in Philippians. Uh, uh, as we keep our trust in him, this peace can be ours. Now, that, that's a hard thing to do in tough times. Can I get a witness? Peace uh, is fleeting when fear and doubt and other things weigh in. But here's the promise of Scripture, the promise of the good news, is that peace is ours. It's come with the package. It's, uh, it's, it's how Paul describes the gospel. It's a gospel of peace. So when Jesus comes into our lives, he, he brings his peace with him. So back to verse 3 in, in 1 Peter. Peter's yelling his blessings to God because uh, our good news matters. It blows his mind. It should blow ours on the regular. Uh, we actually see this quite often in the New Testament epistles. Like Authors like Paul and John and Peter, they, they often start their letters with a gospel recap, a, a gospel review. Even as they, they write to people who, by you know, most understandings, have already received the gospel. Why would you start with the gospel over and over again with people who've already believed it? Well, I think they do this 
to clarify a couple things. Uh, uh, to clarify the message that uh, uh, these Christians are meant to give to others who have yet to receive the gospel. Um, to clarify any of the errors that have arisen in the teaching of the gospel in that particular place. Like read Galatians. That's how Paul starts. I can't believe you've abandoned the truth. It's uh, like verse 3 or 4. Uh, but I think in, in constantly revisiting the good news, uh, these guys are, are trying to help all who read to remember just how awesome and necessary the gospel is to our lives. It's not just this one-time thing that we receive. It's, it's this, this, this thing that we walk in life with constantly, this, this, this constant reminder or, or theme or, or, or idea that this shapes all of our existence. You know, I don't know about you, but I find it too easy to take the gospel for granted, uh, for it to kind of lose some luster in my life. I'm just, you know, I've been a Christian a long time. It's just who I am. It's what I do. I'm, I'm paid to be one. But, but let's never lose sight of the fact that the good news has triggered, brought to us our salvation. No matter what else comes in life, everything else could go awry. If we are in Christ. We are saved. We have the good news, and that's what really matters. Uh, I play golf not well, not, not like I want anyway. Now, there are too many bad shots sandwiched between the good ones. And when I hit bad shots, I, I, uh, I, I want to emote, sometimes negatively, uh, but I try to say things that are sarcastic or, or things that will encourage me and pick up my spirits. Uh, well, what I said a few years ago is, well, at least, at least my wife loves me. At least Eleanor loves me. I, I'm not a very good golfer, but it, at least I get to go home to her. That's still true. Uh, and I'm grateful for my wife's love. But uh, uh, as I go forward and as I learn anew some of the things that I'm being reminded of as I preach, I want to have at, at, at the tip of my tongue as my encouragement in all of life, not just golf, but in anything that I face. Well, at least Jesus loves me. At least I've been given the good news. At least my, my hope is secure. At least, no matter what life brings, I have Jesus. I think we sang that earlier in our service. Give me Jesus. Yeah, the gospel should be our chief solace in every situation in life. No matter what comes, if we are in Christ, remember this. We are golden, chosen, Pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned, abandoned, struck down but not destroyed. The gospel is the ultimate silver lining in life, the greatest bright side that has ever been. Let's read more uh, here from Peter. Uh, look at verse 3 again with me. It says, uh, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Now, let's break this down a little bit further. First, it says that the good news comes as a result of God's mercy. We don't deserve what God in his mercy gives. In fact, we deserve the opposite. We deserve his wrath and punishment, but he gives us his good news in Christ. That is so merciful. In Ephesians 2, we understand it's not just mercy that he gives us, it's grace that he gives us. It's not just that he withholds from us what we deserve, it's that he gives to us what we could never earn. But what does his mercy bring us? It says there in verse 3 in 1 Peter 1 that he has caused us to be born again. He's given us new life. That's what his mercy brings. Uh, one of Jesus' 
uh, Pharisee friends, a guy by the name of Nicodemus. He, he struggled with this idea of being born again when Jesus brought it up to him in John chapter 3. He, he was thinking rebirth in a physical sense. Am I supposed to go back inside my mother and be born again? Not, nah, but that's not Jesus, what Jesus was talking about. He was speaking strictly in a spiritual sense about being born again. Our good news is all about this new life that we receive from Jesus. Uh, to put it another way, that though we were once spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins, the good news makes us alive again. Here's the good news. God makes us alive in him. When original sin brought death to the original union that we shared with God, he alone had the right and the power to bring us back to life. Uh, which he did through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he gave us new life when we, in essence, had no chance for life left. Uh, this reminded me of uh, going to the arcade when I was a kid. Now, now follow me. Some of you don't understand maybe what an arcade is because you just weren't around back when they were the only way to play a video game. But uh, back when I was, you know, uh, in middle school, if you wanted to, you know, uh, you know, get on a, a video game and, and play. You had to go to where they were kept, which was an arcade, and you had to uh, bring your quarters. I have, I don't know how many here, maybe three bucks worth of quarters. And the way you would do it is you would actually just put the quarters out on the machine. And this was the way that you would signal to everybody else, stay away, I'm going to be on this thing for a while. The reason you would do that is because just like games today, there were different levels and stages. You could actually, it was a great honor to have your name listed in the top 10 scores. And so guys would, you know, take their paper route money and, and just go to the asteroids machine and, and, and try to get their name. Now, different people had different skills. Mine, uh, as you can imagine, were not that great. So I needed a lot of quarters. And uh, my means weren't that great either. And so I would run out of quarters. Now, here's what I figured out how to do. Get your kid with that rich father to come to the arcade with you. And then you could just start pe pestering him for another quarter. I'm almost there. Come on, just give me a quarter. And he would reach into his pocket, grab his own quarters, and start feeding the machine for you so that you could live again. It's kind of a lame illustration. Uh, but uh, it speaks to me. You and I, dead, hopeless, uh, apart from God's mercy, no chance, uh, but God in Christ, the giver of life, not just once, but over and over again. When we fail, he forgives. When we, when we falter, he, he picks us up. When, he, when we fail to, to trust, uh, he encourages us and strengthens us. He, he continues to drop quarters, as it were, in our lives and give us life anew. Hmm. But God just doesn't just give us a new life. Uh, this new life comes equipped with some necessary accessories that we're going to talk about next. Uh, things that we require uh, to thrive in a world that's marred by sin. I, I, uh, I don't know about you, but uh, I had the opportunity uh, in recent years to buy a car uh, to replace an older one. Uh, we've cycled cars down through our kids as they've grown older. And, um, and so uh, about two years ago, I had the opportunity to, to buy the next car uh, that would be ours as a family. Um, of course, I wanted, you know, good gas mileage and, you know, safety and all those things. But if I'm being honest, what I really wanted was a stereo in the car that could actually allow my phone to sync with it wirelessly, Bluetooth, uh, because I wanted to start listening to podcasts and all those other things that uh, my old car wouldn't allow me to do. It wasn't the only determiner, but I was really glad it was a part of the car that uh, I actually got to uh, purchase and, and drive now as my own. 
I couldn't bring my car up here on the stage, but maybe uh, we can understand it through another uh, possession that I've uh, had the privilege of, of getting. This is a, a golf cart that basically uh, holds my golf bag. I didn't bring that out for you. Um, but when I was, you know, uh, it, its chief purpose is to haul my clubs around a course while I'm walking. But the thing I'm, I'm geeked out about it most are, are all the things that it has. It has this great place to hold your towel. Down here, there's like a, a, a spot, a pouch that'll hold, uh, you know, drinks and keep them cold. Uh, what, what a fantastic cup holder right here. And then my favorite thing, which I just started using, is this little, uh, this little attachment right here, which as the summer months come upon us are going to allow me in the times that it's raining or in the times that it's super hot to stand under my all-American flag. Uh, we should sing the anthem. But these are the accessories that come with this piece of machinery. <laughs> okay. Well, here's the good news in the good news, or more of the good news. It's a part of the good news. God has not just given us his mercy and a, and a new life. He's given us so much more, so much more beyond the standard features uh, that we might expect from his good news uh, we receive this deluxe, pa deluxe page package, that's hard to say, a deluxe package of blessings. Uh, Peter actually goes through a couple of them here. Uh, he's going to talk to us next in his writings uh, that, about this good news. Uh, in Christ, we have a hope and an inheritance. Uh, now, <laughs> let's break those down. And let's start with the first thing, hope. It's something that we all need all the time. But can we all agree that we, re we require even more when life dims and gets dark? I'm talking about uh, a hope or a belief in things that, that uh, stuff can and will work out somehow. Uh, the good news uh, comes equipped with what Peter describes as a living hope. Look what it says there in that same verse. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, Let's go through that one phrase by phrase. Uh, I've already talked about grace, mer great, uh, great mercy and being born again uh, previously, but Peter now takes us to this idea of a living hope. So what does he mean? What's, what's this living hope? Well, uh, we can say a couple things right off the bat. Uh, a living hope is, isn't a dead hope. It's not a, a hope that's uh, uh, rooted in, in you know, uh, slim chances, like, uh, like a long shot in a horse race. Not that I've ever bet on one of those. Or a <laughs> or the 64th ranked team in March Madness, which I sadly didn't get to take in this year with you. Um, uh, these, uh, these teams are a part of the tournament, uh, but they have little hope of winning it. They're just there for the larger seeds to beat up on. Now, now when we think about this hope that we have in God, it's not this like, well, maybe hope or I, I you know, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm praying that something happens, but it's probably not going to. The, the living hope we have in God is sure, a sure bet, a can't miss, uh, because it's a hope that's rooted in something that has already occurred and therefore we can trust will occur again. Uh, we have a living hope that's, that's rooted in the resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ, because he lives, we can live, and we will live. It's been done, it will be done. I had a buddy uh, who just won things. Anybody got a friend like that? They just, anytime they entered a contest or walked through a door, they were like the 100,000th customer and, and they would just win things. And one day we were at Chick-fil-A and I don't know how uh, he got this, but he, he was somehow nominated or given a, a free Chick-fil-A sandwich, Chick sandwich that day 
And then he was handed a card, a card that basically entitled him to a free Chick-fil-A sandwich for the rest of the year. Every day he could go and get one and have a Chick-fil-A sandwich for, for, for free. Now, uh, he could have been handed that card by someone on the street and had some questions and some doubts, but I think the fact that he was handed that card by the manager who had already given him a free Chick-fil-A sandwich and told him, yeah, that's just the beginning, you get more, kind of made him confident that if he showed up the next day and asked for a, a sandwich, he was going to get one. Um, it's the same thing with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It happened the first time, and we celebrate that every Easter. Uh, he conquered the grave. But its effects, the fact that he uh, overcame death and found new life, uh, the effects of that are constant for those of us who follow him now. The new life that we have in Christ uh, gives us this continual living hope all day, every day, for the rest of our days. Uh, that's why we who are in Christ can say that we are living the rest assured life. Ever had someone to say that to you? You know, they're, they're, they're basically making a promise or, or, uh, or wanting to alleviate your, your worries and so they come to you and they say, oh, rest assured, rest assured. I don't know when that entered the vernacular, but uh, I like it uh, because it points to a, a sure thing hope. Um, we can rest because we are assured. Uh, that's what it is to live the Christian life. We can live in peace at rest because our hope is sure. We can rest assured. And this includes in things like pandemics or in any illness or any trial or travail or any physical or financial hardship. When, when we come to such things uh, with this living hope that we have in Christ, uh, buoyed by our confidence in our living God, who has given us a living word and who's by mercy, uh, who, or by whose mercy we have uh, received the good news of life again. It, it just changes how we live. When Peter points to the resurrection, uh, he affirms that our hope is anchored to an actual event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ that occurred in the past. But when he refers to our hope as a living hope, what he's saying is that we have this current continuing in hope in Christ uh, as he lives and walks with us moment by moment, situation by situation through life. If you were listening a couple weeks ago uh, uh, when I got up and, and talked about uh, what really matters is focus, we talked about Hebrews chapter 12 and how we're meant to fix our eyes on Jesus. But as I made the, the point in that sermon, I'll make it again here. That doesn't mean that Jesus is this far off, um, uh, unattainable uh, goal that we're trying to uh, attain or, or reach uh, he's this intimate, close, right here, guide, defender, healer, helper, uh, strengthener, and encourager. He, he's our victory. He's Jesus. He's our living hope, and he's ours. Uh, I get this. There's still more to come with this living hope of ours. As great as our hope is in the now, uh, this assurance that we have in the presence of a resurrected Savior in life, we have an even greater hope that will be ours someday in the future for uh, Jesus has promised to return for those of us who believe in him, much in the same way that he promised before his death that he would rise after three days. He's coming back. So as Peter turns his focus to the future, he, he describes our hope in some different terms. He's going to start talking about it uh, as an inheritance that we're going to receive as God's sons 
and daughters with Christ. Um, Let's keep reading. It says there uh, in verse 3 that according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance, get this, that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you and I. So we have this living hope, this hope that is ours in the now, this hope that is ours for our future. But here, Peter shifts gears, and he refers to it as an inheritance, an inheritance that he describes as being imperishable and undefiled and unfading. Well, let's, let's define some of those terms. Imperishable means immortal or impervious, that nothing from the outside can take our hope or our inheritance from us. It can't be messed with externally. Uh, God has seen to that. He also calls it undefiled. That means uh, that it can't be spoiled or marred internally, that our inheritance doesn't rot because uh, it is, as the next word clarifies for us, unfading. It never wanes in its oomph or intensity. It's new every morning, this inheritance, this mercy that's given to us. It's always as awesome as it was when we got it. I don't know about you, but so often I need reminding of this because too many people receive this this new life, this inheritance, this living hope that we have in Christ. And for a while it feels shiny and new, pristine in every way, but then uh, like so many of the possessions that we have, it gets some dents, it gets some wear and tear on it, and it becomes less treasured by us. Miles on it. It has hardly any paint left. Uh, the, uh, uh, the driver's side, uh, uh, you know, uh, well, actually the passenger's side, um, um, you know, revert, rear, whatever the mirror is on the door, it's gone. Uh, the headlights pushed in on the right side. Uh, it's, it's on its last leg. In fact, I've told him, listen, keep riding this to school. Uh, he goes to USF. Uh, and if it just happens to die on the side of the road, leave it. <laughs> Get somewhere safe and I'll pick you up. We're not paying for a tow. It's just not even worth it. Uh, we have no esteem for that car, except that we appreciate it still runs. Here's my point. Lots of car talk there for you. Sometimes uh, we get into this life with Christ and we take a few dents or, or we get a lot of miles under our hoods and we get tired, we get weary. Uh, the luster and the shine wears off. Uh, when this happens, our, our hope can wane and fade because we just don't appreciate what we have. But, but here's the deal. Peter reminds us that the power and the hope that we have in Christ is un, imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Uh, I get it. Life inevitably gets hard. It's been harder in the last couple months for all of us. And it may feel like our faith just isn't enough. It's inadequate in facing the troubles uh, that have arrived at our doorsteps. But I assure you, our faith and our hope are as awesome and as imperishable and as undefiled and as unfading as they've ever been. We have more than enough in Jesus. Maybe we can't see it all the time, but he has protected us over and over again, provided for us faithfully, um, hidden us in himself and in his love. Uh, Peter alludes to that in this last verse that we're going to cover this morning. He says, who by God's power, we who are in Christ, who have uh, received from him this, this inheritance that is imperishable and, and undefiled and unfading, uh, we, by God's power, are being guarded through faith 
for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. The psalmist um, often refers to God in terms of this wall or this protection of ours. He's our shield. He's our strong tower. Um, because he's our protector, we can always have hope. Uh, now let's be clear on a couple of things. As God protects us, he, he doesn't exempt us from struggle. He uses struggle, as we'll see next week, come back and we'll talk about that, to, to prove our faith, to test our faith, to develop and deepen our faith. Um, but did you see where the protection of God is, is tied to something that we personally bring? Uh, I, I mentioned it just a second ago. It's faith. Pete's not talking about some incantation that we say or some series of behaviors that we perform that, that secures this protection that God gives. It's, it comes to us as we have faith. Faith and faithfulness are huge in unleashing and sustaining this living hope, this inheritance that we have. Our, our faith is, is like this shield, as Paul refers to it in the armor again in Ephesians chapter 6. It protects us by keeping us in this right relationship with God that we're meant to have, in this proper position that we're meant to be in behind him, and behind him in his might. I used to play paintball, not over uh, in our woods where, when the guys used to play, but when I was a youth pastor, we played paint, paintball all the time with the, the students. And, and here's what I figured out. <laughs> uh, you've got to stay behind things if you're going to stay alive. If you get hit by paint, you're out. It's like tag, you're done. Um, so I, I would find a tree or a barrel or some blind that had been positioned to, to hide behind as they just peppered it with paintballs. Sometimes I would even like grab a kid and, and make him my, my human shield. He would be <laughs> the, the, the sacrificial lamb, as it were. I don't know. Um, but the whole thing was to, to not be hit. And, and that's what God promises us. He promises us his protection to be our shield in our times of trouble. We just have to trust in him. Stay within him and his, his plan for our lives, his will for how things should turn out. Um, that's how uh, life is meant to go. When we lose faith, uh, we often step out from behind his protection and we subject ourselves to the weapons of our adversary, those things I talked about earlier, fear, doubt, and dis discouragement and depression. Uh, but, but when we stay by faith in lockstep with our Savior, uh, when we hold on to this living hope and this inheritance that will not fade, uh, then all of those weapons that our enemy would use against us are useless. It all depends on us clinging to God in faith. So as we pack for life's journey, here's my hope, that we'll always remember that what really matters on this path, this road, is to bring the good news, the best news that's ever been. Uh, our gospel, the good news that we have, is, has made clear how someone can be born again, be brought back to life in an immediate sense spiritually with the assurance of being brought back to life in the end of things physically at the return of Christ. Our good news grants us, as we've mentioned, a living hope and an inheritance that won't perish or fade. When we live in light of our gospel, with it as our lens and our filter, with it as our, our determiner, when we live in step with this faith that has brought the gospel into our lives, it's there that we find the protective power of God for all that life brings. We're gonna pick up there when we get back together next week, and this is kind of a two-parter. I'll talk next week about, weekend about how the, the good news matters, especially when times go bad. 
But for now, I just want to close in praying for us and asking God to remind us of what he's given us in his good news. And may we, as we sing this next song, bless the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and bring him the praise that he is due. Let me pray for us. God, I, I'm so grateful for a chance to read your word, study your word for the ways that you speak to me personally before I speak to us as a church. And um, Lord, I, I pray that the things that we've read this morning, just a, a few verses, but they're packed with truth, packed with promise, uh, packed with um, these causes for rejoicing. We've, we've been, uh, because of your great mercy, um, uh, we've been caused to, to be born again. We've been given a new life by you. We've, we've uh, been uh, uh, the recipients of this living hope, this inheritance that you give that doesn't fail. And so even as uh, the world around us kind of goes, you know, a little crazy and uh, headlines, uh, uh, you know, detail how things are <laughs> bad and getting worse um, in so many ways, uh, we can rest assured in what you've done, in what you are doing, and in what you will do. Um, thanks for being um, a God who is in control, even when we can't be. Uh, we lift your name. We bless you, uh, God. And uh, uh, we praise you uh, because of who you are. You are holy. You are almighty. You are the great I am. In Jesus' name, amen. for this week. Again, so grateful that we uh, live in an age where even as we are separated, we can be the church together uh, in this way. Uh, I look forward to being able to encourage you in weeks to come. Uh, hopefully we are nearing uh, some kind of end. And uh, as, as we uh, head into the next weeks, we got some great things for you to continue to be a part of us uh, with as we serve God and in the world that he's given us to be a part of. So, uh, until next time, God bless you. Stick around, listen to Tom. He's got some great things to share with you. Have a great week. God bless.